Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we get to your comments and questions about the Winnipeg Jets earning the 16th spot in our NHL decor rankings. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. This was one long-ass week for me. <laughs> In my mind, I was honestly a day ahead each day this week. My uh, baby daughter just absolutely dominated me, going with the uh, the no-sleep-slash-constant-destruction combo. So I'm already in weekend mode. I'm ready to go. Uh, but by the way, you know, with me never sleeping anymore, I'd love to get your suggestions on where to get the best coffee in the city. You know, I've slowly become obsessed with the bean juice, so I'm a bit of a rookie when it comes to all that. But let me know, again, at Brandon underscore Wiki, best coffee in Winnipeg. All right, we got to your comments and questions last week about our forward rankings. Had a ton of fun doing that. So we're going to do the same thing with this episode, except obviously focusing on the defense this time around. The Jets defense we had ranked right in the middle 16th in the NHL. Now, I put up a poll on Twitter just to kind of get a sense of how Jets fans were feeling about the new look D heading into the season, and things got spicy. My God, optimism is the name of the game apparently here in Winnipeg. So just under 500 votes for this poll, but 32%, essentially a third of you, voted that the Winnipeg Jets had a top 10 defense in the NHL. 54% were kind of in my camp, somewhere in the 11 to 16 range. 10% of you said 17 to 22. And then 4% of you were Debbie Downers and had the Jets still in the bottom 10 despite the additions that they made. So again, 32% of Jets fans think the Winnipeg Jets now have a top 10 decor in the NHL. First off, hell yeah to the positive vibes. I don't agree with it, but love the attitude. <laughs> I'm not going to go into full detail here about, you know, why I had the Jets ranked where they were. That was last week's episode. But look, there's no doubt Winnipeg's blue line is greatly improved. I don't think anybody, even if you had them in the bottom 10, no, I mean, no one's going to argue that. Going from Forbort and Pullman to Dylan and Schmidt is a pretty significant upgrade. 
But going from the bottom five to the middle of the pack is also a massive leap. I mean, the Jets leapfrogged 10 teams from last year to this year to get to that 16th spot, which is, you know, essentially league average or, in my opinion, a good decor. On top of it, too, I, I wonder if some people thought that putting the Jets at 16th is like a bit of a slap in the face. But I, I didn't view it that way. I mean, again, to me, the Winnipeg Jets have a good defense core heading into the season. Not a great one, but a good one. On top of that, though, I don't think the Jets necessarily need a no doubt about a top 10 defense to win the Stanley Cup this season. When you have already a top 10 forward group that's loaded with high-end skill and one of the best goalies on the entire planet, I think a good but not great defense might be just good enough to win the whole damn thing. So things are definitely looking up in Winnipeg on the blue line. There's no doubt about that. But to me... When you look at the teams that I have ahead of the Winnipeg Jets right now, teams that, you know, you would say have a, a good or a very good defense core, they all have a no doubt about a number one defenseman, a, a legitimate top pair D-man. And, you know, on top of that, at least one followed by a pretty damn good number two, if not another top pair defenseman on top of it. So I think middle of the pack is a fair spot to put the Jets right now. But, you know, maybe if things unfold in a super positive way throughout the season, we could see the Jets jump up the rankings a little bit and maybe things get a little bit interesting once we get into Christmas. The first comment that we're going to get to, and we'll get to the mailbag right now, uh, but this is from somebody that actually likes this Jets decor as an already top 10 unit before any games have been played. I love it. I, I wanted to hear the case for Winnipeg being that high. And longtime listener Danny hit me up with a DM, which was awesome, saying he respectfully disagrees with me. You don't have to add the respectively. I mean, nobody I know respectively disagrees with me, so it's all good. Uh, but Danny went into it here a little bit. I won't get into everything that he said. But to try to sum it up, essentially, Danny believes that the Winnipeg Jets have two players on the cusp of being number one defensemen in the NHL. Josh Morrissey, Neil Pionk, playing with you know, third pair defensemen these past couple of seasons, they're now paired with, you know, top four options. They should see their games take another leap forward. Dylan and Schmidt, those two players that can be, you know, second pair defensemen on just about any team, if not every team in the NHL. And then another that could play top four in Dylan DeMello on top of that. Then he says to top it off, we have a six foot seven second year guy who has a cannon of a shot, crazy wingspan, bit of a nasty streak. It's a pretty good top six, according to Danny. Then you add in Billy Hainala and Dylan Sandberg, the depth that goes along with it, Nathan Beaulieu, who, as a seventh defenseman, isn't all that bad. All of those points, Danny feels, makes the Winnipeg Jets a top 10 defense unit in the NHL. And I replied to him, and, you know, it's kind of funny because I disagree, but I replied to him and said, you know what, I pretty much agree with everything you said there. Neil Pionk is going to play with the best D partner he's ever had in the NHL, right? Like, he is going to be better this season, and he's been really, really good since he came over in the Jacob Truba trade. Like, I think I think Neil Pionk is headed for big, big things this year. Josh Morrissey is playing with the best defensive partner, whoever it may be, that he's had since he was paired with Jacob Truba. So you would expect both of those players to be better than they were last year. Like I mentioned, obviously, Dylan and Schmidt upgrades over Forbert and Pullman. 
And then, yeah, I mean, hey, DeMello, I've said it before, DeMello and Stanley, outside of Colorado-Tampa, that might be the best third pair in the entire NHL. But to me, the point still stands. I mean, all those things can be true, but heading into the season, we can't say that the Winnipeg Jets have a no-doubt legitimate top-pair defenseman. They could by the end of the year, but right now they don't. And there's teams that have guys with a much longer track record of being that guy at the NHL level, of being a top-pair defenseman. So I agree. There's a lot of optimism, no doubt about it. I think it's a great case that Danny made. But ultimately, I believe that we need to see it until we can believe it. And for now, I will at least put the Jets kind of in the middle of the pack. But I guess that's one case, an optimistic view of of why the Winnipeg Jets can be a top 10 unit. You know, you could look at the other side of the coin, though, and say, you know what, maybe Morrissey isn't going to bounce back anymore. And and what he's shown us these past few years is what we get. Maybe Neil Pyong's just a good second pair guy. Maybe, you know, Dylan and Schmidt have lost a step heading into their third, right? Like, there's a lot of ways on either side of the coin that you can flip the equation depending on your optimistic or pessimistic view. That's why I kind of went right in the middle, right in the sweet spot. Maybe you could say I'm, you know, cheaping out and, and riding the fence, and then that might be fair. Uh, but, look, there's no doubt things are heading in the right direction. We'll just see how positively that trend is going to continue once the Winnipeg Jets finally hit the ice in uh, just a couple weeks' time, if you can believe it. But thanks again for the DM, Danny. Really appreciate it. And again, if anybody else wants to send something my way, you can DM me anytime, and I'm more than happy to talk to you. A few more questions that we got to get to here. But before that, three to go. Before we get to that, let's hear a word from our friends over at DraftKings because week two in the NFL just got kicked off last night. Hell of a game, too. You saw the New York Giants basically pull a Rough Riders heading Washington the win. But DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 on any Week 2 game Sunday or Monday coming up. Again, $200 in free bets instantly betting just $1 on any Week 2 game. And if Sportsbook is not yet available in your state from DraftKings, Remember, DK still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests that are a ton of fun and super easy to play as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Back to the mailbag here. Like I said, three more questions to get to. This one from at DSawa. DeSawa asks, at what point do we worry that Josh Morrissey will not recapture his previous form? And that's a fair question, DeSawa. Thanks for that. I think it's a fair question. And I mean, to answer it bluntly, right now. Like right now, if we don't see improvements from Josh Morrissey, I think it's more than fair to worry that he won't be able to recapture the form that we saw when he was playing with Jacob Truba 
and Dustin Bufflin. I, I mean, there really aren't any excuses this year because his playing partner, you look at the entire right side of the Winnipeg Jets defense, I, I'm not going to say they're stacked, but they're set up really nicely. You know, whether it is DeMello, Schmidt, or Neil Pionk, Josh Morrissey is going to play with his best defensive partner since Jacob Trouba was traded. And that's really the one thing everyone's pointing to when we talk about the decline in Morrissey's game these past few seasons is that, you know, his playing partner isn't up to top pair level. Therefore, Josh Morrissey's game is not up to top pair level. And there's no doubt about it either. Paul Maurice hasn't really helped out Josh Morrissey in that regard either these past few years. I mean, he's been tasked with carrying Tucker Pullman, Nathan Bolio on his offside, a rookie Vili Hanela, right? Like, it's not like he's been handed, you know, murderer's row of, of defensive partners to try to live up to the contract that he signed after Jacob Chuba was traded. I mean, there's very few defensemen in the entire NHL that would be able to carry the partners that Josh Morrissey has had these past few years. So I think that's a valid argument over to why he has been, I guess, quote-unquote, in decline these past two seasons. But again, that's not going to be an argument that can be pointed to anymore because he's going to be playing, we believe, either beside Nate Schmidt or Neil Pionk. The big thing for Josh, too, and I've said this, you know, time and time again when analyzing his play, is that whoever his partner is going to be, it's a good fit for him. And that's really important when you talk about defense pairs, is you need guys that can play off each other well and, you know, either accentuate their strengths or in a way hide their weakness and whether it is Nate Schmidt or Neil Pionk both those players very adept at moving the puck up the ice Josh Morrissey has been at his best playing beside somebody like that and I think that's going to be a big big key in kind of unlocking and getting him back to the form that he was at a couple of seasons ago but if we continue to see Josh Morrissey struggle this year you know, there's really not a whole lot of excuses we can point to at that point. You might just have to look at the cold hard fact that, you know what, maybe he's never going to be the guy that he was a few years ago. The guy that earned that eight-year contract. So it is definitely like the ultimate make or break year for Josh Morrissey, in my opinion. We need to see him take his game to another level if he's going to live up to that contract and if he's going to help the Jets make a deep run into the postseason. So thanks for that D-Saw. I, I think Josh Morrissey is going to be just fine, though, which is good. A great kid. Really tough year last year, personally, and everything else going on. So hoping for all the best for Josh this upcoming season. My buddy Dave listened to Tuesday's episode. Thanks for that, Dave. And he brought this point up. Some more, I guess, leaning towards negativity here. But Dave asked, is Nate Schmidt's kind of awful year in Vancouver being completely overlooked? I don't know if it's being overlooked, but it's certainly being glossed over by a number of Jet fans, right? I mean, hey, we got a third of people thinking it's a top 10 decor in the NHL, right? So I think a lot of people are pushing past that. Here's the thing, though, and this is what's tricky when we talk about, I mean, defensemen, really any skater that's headed into their late 20s, early 30s. They have a bad year. And I think there's this immediate reaction that when anybody has a bad year, heading into their late 20s, early 30s, out of their peak, they're done. I feel like that's a very common held thought, that once the decline starts, nothing stops it, and it's only a matter of time before that player is out of the NHL. Now, that's true a lot of the times where, you know, a guy enters their late 20s, early 30s, we do see a decline in their game. Like, there's no, you can't ignore 
aging curves, I think, anymore. So, like, there's a part of it where it's a legitimate concern. But the other part, too, is just sometimes guys have bad years, right? Like, sometimes, and never mind guys that get traded and, and put to a new team that stunk as well. But sometimes players, for whatever reason, just can't find their game over the course of a season, right? So you have to balance both of that there. And it, it is really difficult, I think, to figure out which way it's truly going for that specific player. It might have to be just a case-by-case -case thing. I, I think I'm going to lean a bit more towards the positive side of this and that Nate Schmidt was really good for Vegas for three seasons. I don't think his game completely fell off a cliff because he's about to hit 30 and he played bad for the Canucks last year, right? I, I, don't, I don't necessarily see that happening. It might just have been that he didn't fit in with the Canucks Bad fit, bad team, everything goes wrong. Basically, everybody on the club outside of Thatcher Demko has a bad season. Like, There's a part of me that just wonders if you scrap what happened last year altogether and you just move forward. So, to me, when I look at the Nate Schmidt situation and his bad season in Vancouver, I'll probably lean a little bit and put some more investment into his strong numbers in Vegas and say that Vancouver was maybe closer to a one-off. But there has to be a bit of concern, I think, at the very least. Just a little bit that, you know, maybe he's not going to be the player that he was in Vegas. And this could be the start of the decline for him. Jets fans certainly don't hope so because he's got a pretty big ticket for a few more years here. But I, I think Nate Schmidt is going to be solid at the very least for the Jets this upcoming year. The other thing, too, is, you know, like I get aging curves and all that. And players, for the most part, don't improve as they head into their 30s. But at the same time, you know, Nate Schmidt isn't 35, right? About to be in his late 30s. Like, he, he's still a relatively young person. So I, I think he's going to be able to hold father time off for a few more years here. But either way, thanks for the question, Dave. Really appreciate it. And, and thanks for listening as well. One last one here. We're going to cap it off a little bit early here today. But one last question about the Jets defense. And Dyson has the final cue of the episode for us. He asks... Any concerns or questions about Hainala and Sandberg being blocked? You know, I've actually heard this from a few different people. After, I mean, like, it was almost bittersweet, I guess, with the Schmidt and Dylan trades is that you essentially have five of your top six veterans on, we'll say, big money deals. It's not huge money, but they're making over three, four million each. Five of those six spots are locked up. Logan Stanley was protected over Dylan DeMello. Therefore, he seems to have the edge over Hanela and Sandberg right now. And there's only six spots to play a defenseman as of right now in the NHL. So, yeah, like there's no doubt that a path to the NHL for this upcoming season isn't there for either of those two. But I'm not really concerned about it whatsoever, actually. I, I think it's great. I think it's great that Billy Hanela and Dylan Sandberg are going to play 20 plus minutes a night in the AHL. I know everyone's super, super jacked about Villy. You know, the rookie year comes in, blows everybody's expectations out of the water. And he hasn't quite gotten back to that level just yet. And, hey, I'll be the first to admit that he was probably mishandled last year. You know, wasting away on the taxi squad for half the season, it felt like. But at the same time, I don't think Villy played all that well in the games that he was able to get into. Again, not blaming him necessarily for that. It's just not the worst thing in the world for a 20-21-year-old defenseman to play in the second best league on the planet, right? Like, it, I just, I fail to see the 
negative in that. And, and I think there are some parts of Billy Hanela's game that do need some seasoning. So go make mistakes at the AHL level. Go play a crap load of minutes, power play, penalty kill if you want to on top of it. And if he dominates the AHL for 50-plus games, then you know what? There's the chance that he gets into a ton of action at the end of the season and makes a big impact for the Jets. The same goes for Dylan Sandberg. I think Dylan Sandberg needs another year in the AHL either way, so it's it's kind of a moot point on him. But I think both of those players, I mean, play them both as you know in as many positions, offside, strong side, special teams, even strength, whatever it is, have them play in all these different types of situations that they wouldn't get the opportunity to do at the NHL level. And I think you'll see a better player for sure by the end of this season, definitely heading into next training camp. I, I really don't think there's a big downside to having Hanela and Sandberg playing this entire year in the AHL. Having said that too, we all know, especially with the Jets decor, injuries are going to happen. There, there's going to be you know, a couple guys on this Jets blue line that missed some time this year. And they're going to be, after Nathan Beaulieu, who's the seventh defenseman, they're going to be the first call-ups. So I, I think we see... I mean, Sandberg's a little iffy if we see him this year, but I think we definitely see Billy Hanela at some point get some NHL time this year. Either way, even if he starts the year in the A. So I'm not too concerned about this upcoming season. One interesting thing is I do wonder if Billy plays his offside at all. In the AHL, if, if the Jets, you know, maybe try to view him in that light, but that's a, a different conversation for a different day. But are they blocked in years two, three, four, as well as we look a little bit further down the line? And again, I, I don't really think they are. I mean, Josh Morrissey is unlikely to be going anywhere anytime soon. So that's one spot on the left side. We'll say that's locked up for the foreseeable future. But I mean, there's the chance that either of those guys outplay Logan Stanley and eventually vault him on the organizational depth chart. So, I mean, there's a spot that's available for them. And and look, if either Hanela and or Sandberg are playing too good and their potential is just flat out too high and they're no doubt about a top four defenseman, you can move Brandon Dillon. You can move guys like that. You can move a, a Dylan DeMello, right? Like there's, we, we've seen this past offseason, no contract is movable. You know, if either one of those prospects starts playing their way into, you know, too good to keep in the AHL level, I think the Winnipeg Jets will find a way to get them up to the big club. So, again, I'm not really worried, especially for this upcoming season. I think a whole year in the A with the Moose is good for them. But down the road, I just think things are going to play themselves out. And I'm not too worried that, you know, either one of those guys is going to demand a trade or anything like that. Because, you know, Dylan and Morrissey are locked up for a number of years. I think eventually we'll see both of those guys play significant minutes sometime soon with the Winnipeg Jets. So again, no worries there. We'll try to end it off on a positive note as much as we can. But that's it. Let's call it for the week. Thanks again for your comments. Love hearing from you guys. So again, if you ever want to hit me up with anything Jets related, or anything in general really, food, whatever else, at Brandon underscore Wiki on Twitter. Would love to get back to you guys. We're back at it on Tuesday. With another rankings episode, forwards and D are in the books. So we'll get into the goaltending in our next episode. The only real question with goaltending, these ones haven't been all that riveting, I guess. Because the only question is, is Carter Hellebuck going to find himself in the top three, the top five, number one? Like what spot very high up the rankings is he going to be? So not a ton to break down when it comes to the goalies. 
So why don't we spice it up a little bit? And let's include the coach rankings on top of it. I think I think people might have strong Paul Maurice opinions. So I'll, I'll reluctantly wait into that next week. And we'll do goalie and coach rankings in our next episode coming up on Tuesday. But until then, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Enjoy the weekend. Peace.